Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Malcolm White. I'm your host today. On this Sunday afternoon, I'm in the studio with Kevin Farrell, our producer, who's wearing some very conservative shoes today, which is unusual. They got a little flair to them. My guest today is Diane Williams. Diane Williams of the Mississippi Arts Commission. Welcome, Diane. It's good to be here today. It's been a while. It has been. Now, Diane was for a long time one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, and you haven't been on the air in a while. No, it's been at least two years. Is that how long you've been the grants director? Yes, it is. So is that when you decided to discontinue uh, being a host? Yeah, two years into being director of grants, I realized I was way too busy. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been the director of grants for... Probably close to four years. Four years. Mm -hmm. yeah. So for a couple of years, you, you tried to do both. I did. And it was just too much. It was too much. But now, I also know, because I have inside track, that you've been in state government for 15 years. Yes. We had a celebration. It was wonderful. <laughs> Very exciting. 15 years mm -hmm. at the Mississippi Arts Commission. I know. Now, did you begin as the arts industry director? Was that I, your first job there? It was my first job. I started March 1st. I started on the grant deadline date. My goodness, because for those of our listeners who don't know, we have a huge deadline on March 1st every year. It's yes. when the bulk of our annual grants are due, so it is like chaos day. Chaos day. However, Things have changed a little bit since those 15 years now. We used to have paper applications. People would bring in boxes full of supplementals with photographs and clippings and videos and CDs and tapes. You remember Big all binder that? binder books. Binders, huge binders and like law books. And and now it's all done. That's a thing of the past. Online. Because of technology, we can now go to social media, websites. We could even share with Google Docs. But we have a brand new system. Yes, it's the e-grant system. Yeah, it <laughs> you know has what a I want to say. <laughs> Found it. Found it. Found it is the name of the uh, actual. Uh, I don't know. What do you call it? The well, they're in a, program? They're, yeah, they're a program, program provider. They provide us with, you know, sort of like Lego building blocks. Uh -huh. And then we can make it into what we want it to be based on the parameters that are there. Yeah. So so this is Foundant's first giant March 1st deadline at the Mississippi Arts the Mississippi Commission, Arts which Commission. just happened a few days ago. Yes, we rolled out 11 applications that I created. In the new system. In the new system. And just so that our listeners will know, what we do at the Mississippi Arts Commission is we do grants and services primarily. And you are over, you manage the largest piece of our portfolio, which is our grants programs. Yes. And uh, how many different grants programs do we have? Well, right now we have about 13, mm -hmm. and we do have a few paper applications because they're special initiatives. Right. Mm -hmm. But but our annual, we our have annual. many grants, we have project grants, 
operating grants. Mm -hmm. We have requests for two-year operating support, and some of those applications that come in are for the second year. We have folk art apprenticeship, artist roster, fellowship applications, teaching artist roster. Whole schools. Whole schools. Mm -hmm. And whole schools has three application processes. And what are they? And they are the Arts in the Classroom. Which is? That is a program where organizations can get their feet wet. And our whole schools initiative, the application process is based on services rather than grant funding dollars. So there's Arts in the Classroom. There's whole schools. So as they graduate from Arts in the Classroom, getting their feet wet, the whole schools initiative. And then there's model whole schools after they've been in the whole schools program for a number. Of years, and uh, again for our listeners, we have tw- currently we have twenty nine schools statewide who participate in one of those three categories. They're either just beginning to participate and explore arts integration, which is what whole schools is. It's a change model for schools where art uh, is uh, given to the teachers as a teaching tool. Uh, we actually uh, educate and uh, empower classroom teachers to use the arts to teach. And arts in the classroom, which is our one-year beginner level, uh, as you say, gives them a chance to get their feet wet, to see if it works for their school, to see if they have time, to see if they have interest. And if that goes well, some do it for one year, some will do it for a couple of years, then they enter a six-year commitment, which we call the Whole Schools Initiative, where they will integrate arts into the entirety of their school, and uh, there are, as I said, 29 schools statewide. And then when they've been there throughout their six years and they've uh, had some success and are comfortable with it, they, they have the chance, the opportunity to apply for model status. And so those are the three categories yes. of yes. the whole schools. And we nurture those organizations by walking alongside of them during the winter retreat and spring retreat. And then we have our summer institute. So these schools are not out there on their lawn. On their own, where we provide services and say go forth, we walk along with them. We uh, present them with technical assistance if they need it. We talk to them about the artistry they want to bring into the school to affect in arts integration and to work across the curriculum in and through the arts. And we also provide um, an artist roster, which uh, we have both a performing roster and then we have a teaching roster, right? Yes. And you, throughout the years. You've, you've actually been a, a teaching artist before you worked at the Arts Commission. Is that right? Yes. Prior to coming to the MAC, mm-hmm. I was on both artist rosters. So I was able to do performances, presentations, workshops, and then I became a teaching artist. And what that means is that you work alongside teachers to create lesson plans and show how the teachers can implement the arts across the curriculum. And you also provide teachers with resources so it could be a continuum after the artist leaves the school. So it's sort of a team teaching approach where the artist works with the classroom teacher and they design and implement and provide a a curriculum and an arts experience at the same time, right? Yes, it's very exciting for the students and very surprising for the teachers who find out that you can have fun (laughs) learning curriculum subjects. Right. Well, besides uh, that, you're also uh, a fiber artist, Right. Mixed media, mixed, mixed media, media fiber. fiber. You want to tell us a little bit about that, about well, your career there? Yes. Your side 
Hustle, as they say. My side hustle. <laughs> I kind of look at it as my main, <laughs> my main creative hustle. Yeah, your, your creative outlet. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a mixed media fiber artist. <clears throat> I was discovered by a museum actually about seven years ago. So I've had an opportunity to work in communities, to work with other artists, <clears throat> to exhibit my work, and to also impact communities in and through the arts that I do. So you will be hired to go into a, a museum or into a school or how, yes. does, how does the work, <clears throat> what kind of work does one get as a, 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 a fiber artist or mixed media artist? Well, with my community work, I work lo- alongside communities to tell their story because I'm a professional storyteller as well. Right. And so we tell the community story through fiber arts. This means we meet with the community, we sit down and talk, we do some research, we come back together, and we work in teams. And there will be anyone in that audience, such as um, uh, schools, teachers, students, artists in the community. You have your bankers, you have your mayors and your city council people. We try to pull the whole entire community together because this is their story. So it's kind of like placemaking in a way. Yes, it is. Yeah. So you're you're also a storyteller. Now you were a storyteller long before you ever came to the Arts Commission. Over twenty five years. Yeah, yes. you, you were a professional storyteller. You, yes. This was your job. This, this was your was career. My job. Mm-hmm. And you traveled all over. Yes. Now, did you live in Jackson at that time? I think I did become a storyteller when I moved here. Uh huh. Yeah, when my son was very small. But you're from New Jersey. I'm from Newark, New Jersey. From Newark. Mm-hmm. And you uh, born and raised in, in yes. New Jersey? Mm-hmm. Educated? Educated in New Jersey, in yes. In New Jersey? Mm-hmm. And came south? What, what? Via Texas. I moved oh, to you, Texas, Texas, lived first. there about eight years before I came here. Uh-huh. And I was in, uh, I worked in banking. So I had a different type of background at that time. Worked alongside of my husband when I was married. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> He's a banker. And we moved here. We were with Trustmark Bank and different things like that. I've worked in mortgaging. I've had I have a broad background because I'm so much older now. <laughs> <laughs> but when did you get interested and involved in the arts? Sometime after you came to Mississippi? My son is thirty two now. I think mm-hmm. he's 32. And it was when he was a baby, really. Uh-huh. I became a professional storyteller because I started reading to my own son. Sure. I was a stay-at-home mom. He went to the daycare. I went with him. And I, I wanted to interact. I wanted to help with his learning. I knew that was important, so I started telling stories to the children. And then I started looking at it from the perspective of multiple intelligences. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And just evolve, and then you discovered the Arts Commission and found out they had these rosters. Is this right? Yes. I'm not yes. trying to tell your story. I'm just kind of curious how you yes. made that connection. And one thing that I think is very important: when I found out about the Mississippi Arts Commission and where they were getting their funding from, now this is mm-hmm. really important. 
I realized that I had more of a challenge. I had more of a responsibility as an artist. So not only was I an artist out there working, but I was making sure that my legislators understood what was going on in the community, community, how's impacting the community, and I even helped other artists write their letters to their representatives. If they want a fellowship from the Arts Commission, I worked with them and I said, this is really important. This is where some of the funding comes from. And then my mind started realizing, okay, I'm going into schools and why would the schools even want me there if I'm not impacting education? Mm. So you were getting these school gigs through the roster? Or through the roster, yes. Oh, mm-hmm. th- through that, yeah. A little of both, actually, but mostly through the art, being on the artist's roster. I understood that the roster was leverage for me mm-hmm. to be able to go out into the community and say, hey, I'm on the Mississippi Arts Commission's artist roster, and I'd love to come to your school, and half of my fee would, could be paid up to a certain amount if you fill out this application. Now, that is called a mini-grant, right? That's a mini-grant, yes. So explain to our listeners uh, how the mini-grant program works. A mini-grant to organizations is up to $1,000, dollar-for-dollar match. If we give 500 that means the project costs 1000 or more, and the organization matches with whatever is beyond that amount. An organization could be a museum, a school, uh, an arts council. Community a center. Community center. Uh, some sort of after-schools program, something like that. Yes. Right? Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Malcolm White. I am your host on this Sunday afternoon. I'm in the studio with one of my uh, partners in crime over at the Mississippi Arts Commission, our grants director, Miss Diane Williams. Welcome back, Diane. It's good to be here. It doesn't really matter to our listeners, but uh, it's about March the 5th or so uh, that we're recording this. And... Uh, That's important at the Arts Commission because we have these grants programs, and they come, uh, they're due several times a year. And and I wondered, as the grants director, if you would kind of give me the schedule, the timeline of when our grants are are due and how we process them and and what what they're what each one is is called and how it works. Anyone interested in a grant from the Mississippi Arts Commission should be thinking ahead. We have our annual grant deadline which is March 1st, but the process only stays open for 1 month. It opens February 1st with the deadline of March 1st. Mm-hmm. We review the applications, we bring in a panel of peers and experts and then we announce the grants in July. So the so the experts uh, are uh, their artists, people who've gotten grants in the past, people who who serve in some capacity in the arts, and they're the experts. So, so they actually look at the grants applications. They have a, a sort of a score sheet of criteria that they're looking for, and and they. Uh, actually apply a score to each grant. Is that right? Yes. And that serves as a recommendation to the Mississippi Arts Commission staff and board of commissioners as they decide how to distribute the money. So for each grant, there's an application, a deadline, an adjudication, or a a panel of, of peers who score it. Then it goes back to the staff and the board, and ultimately the board has the final say-so on how much money and and where the grants go, right? That's right. And we make sure we present those applications one by one to our board as we we make the recommendations that the panel recommended. And the board often asks questions about those applications. And and you're looking at... 
for the March deadline, somewhere between two and three hundred a year, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And and then the other deadlines or the mini grants, mini grant deadlines, and we might get forty applications per round. We mm-hmm. offer that opportunity twice a year, and. October 1st, the process opens up with a November 1st deadline. Oh, I forgot the first one. The first opportunity, the process opens in May Mm -hmm. with a June 1st deadline. Gotcha. So So there are two minis and then this big annual. Mm -hmm. And inside of that March 1st deadline, the annual, uh, that's where operating grants, project grants, uh, fellowships, all of the the bulk of our granting is, Mm -hmm. is in that that springtime round. And that's the one that we just went through. That's what we just went through. And we had how many applications this time? We had about 200 and... uh, 229 this year. About 230. Uh And compared to 236 last year. So we're on an even keel, even though the process has changed because we have the online Mm -hmm. application and people can't mail in anything this time. We're not accepting anything on paper. This is wonderful to go to a paperless society. Right. And and so the new system that you've been working on for a while, this found it. Yes, we beta tested it back in October when uh-huh. we opened it up for the mini grant round, the second right. mini grant round. Things and went well. We evaluated it, and and we were ready for this process right. for March first. And it seems to have gone pretty smoothly, all things considered. Around the office, his, his historically, for those of you who never been in the Arts Commission office. It's chaos on March the 1st because at 5 o'clock on March the 1st is the deadline. And for years, it has this sort of carnival-like atmosphere where people are lined up at the door, bringing in their materials, knocking, saying, oh, I'm a little late. Can I slip this paper in? I need to get this one more thing in. And this year, it was just Another day at the office. Another day at the office. (laughs) Very few problems. Everybody made it through the system. You know, they didn't think they would, but there's something that's very important. People need to realize they need to look at the application process early during the month that the process is open and not wait till the last minute because we're there to help our applicants. Right. If they have if they need technical assistance, if they're having some problems understanding how to upload information, it's important that they communicate with us early on. At the last minute they're taking a great risk. Sure. Well, besides yourself who who oversees all of this grant process, which you know, dollars and cents, it's really interesting to know that that the Mississippi Arts Commission is about a $3 million annual operation. And half of that money, almost to a dollar, about a $1.5 million, goes back to the people through the grants program. So almost half of our budget, our entire budget, is caught up in and is committed to and dedicated to this grants piece that you manage. But it's really important for People who are interested in applying to the Arts Commission, artists, teachers, community folks, uh, that we have a program manager, program director for every discipline of the arts. And their job is to work with you to make sure that you have the very best grant that you could possibly submit. And it's broken into these categories like you used to manage 
arts, interest, arts industry, which is our largest operating grant, and tell our listeners what, uh, what is comprised of the arts industry program and how that is managed. <clears throat> well, arts industry represents the single discipline organizations. They're the ones that are out there in the community that's most supportive of the industry of arts overall. So that's going to be your, you can call them single discipline or fine art organizations. So that's going to be your theaters. That's going to be your museums, your music, you know, opera and things like that. Mm -hmm. Opera, symphony, ballet, all dance, Mm -hmm. those sorts of things. The IBC, that sort of stuff. Uh Yes. And that's all in... Now, what about the arts councils? Because most communities have some sort of an arts council, whether it's a volunteer or a full-time. What what discipline are they? I mean, what program are they in? They fall in with the arts-based community development. The ABCD, we call it. ABCD. And and the assumption is that those types of organizations are connecting with their community. They're connecting with... Uh, even with schools, they're connecting mm-hmm. with everything in the community. They're connecting with artists. They're connecting with uh, community centers and things like that. So that is going to be mostly be your arts councils. Mm-hmm. So, so the ballet, symphony, opera, museums are mostly in what we call arts industry. The arts councils uh, are over in what we call the arts-based community development program. Yeah, and boys and girls clubs and centers like that fall into that category as well. And and for us, that's where we manage uh, the creative economy, placemaking, and a lot of initiatives like that and partnerships that we have. Then we have our whole uh, arts education department. And inside of arts education, we have some special initiatives like Link Up. You want to explain to the folks what Link Up is? Well, LinkUp is a wonderful program. We've been working with that program, which comes to us from, I think, New York City, from the Carnegie Mm -hmm. Hall and the Weill Institute. Correct. And so they started this program a number of years ago where the symphonies and schools, the result of the program is symphonies and schools coming together where students get to perform with the symphony. But prior to their coming together, there has to be some learning. So in the classroom, uh, an instructor or facilitator will come work with a teacher to teach the children the music, and the children get to play a recorder along with this. I mean, that is just the most beautiful thing. Can you picture that? Hundreds of students playing with the, the state symphony orchestra. (laughs) So we have that program currently in about, I think, seven of the orchestras. There's only eight orchestras, Uh, but it is a Carnegie Hall initiative, uh, music education, arts education initiative uh, that works. I believe it's fourth, fifth and sixth graders. And they do. They 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 learn uh, at the beginning of school. They 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 get a body of work and they they learn to play their their piece on it. And uh, some of them play recorders. Nowadays, some of them even uh, playing uh, mandolins. And uh, uh, sometimes they sing. Sometimes they play strings. But it is a great program. We also have Poetry Out Loud in that program, in the arts education program. Yes. With partnership with Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And tell us a little bit about Poetry Out Loud. Poetry Out Loud comes to us from the National Endowment for the Arts, I believe, and the, poet, the National Poetry Foundation. Foundation mm-hmm. Yes. And so 
It is a coming together of students. We have we have a facilitator that works to gather these students from various schools. They learn these classic poems through the National Poetry Foundation, and then they learn recitation and presentation and interpretation of the poems. It's not really, I, I always forget how we refer to it, it's not a contest. It's not a competition. Yeah. It's not a competition. It's not a competition. It's a, con- it, it's a recitation competition, and it's done uh, regionally, then on a state level, and uh, then we work with MPB to broadcast the state finals on radio and TV. And then the winners from each state, there are 53 state winners. Uh, every state has a winner, plus Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, and D.C., and all 53 of those kids, and they're high school kids. This is a high school initiative go to Washington, D.C. and have a national competition, which is very exciting for these kids. So think spelling bee, but think poetry. Yes, and it's a wonderful way to level the playing field because everyone can recite a poem, but it is all about the interpretation and how you present yourself with that poem. But the exciting part about this is you don't just win a competition or contest. What happens on the local school level and in the regional level is um, these students vie to be able to come together, and we'll be doing this this week as a matter of fact, these students get to come together, compete, and the winners win a little something for their, their schools. Yeah. It's a $20,000 pot of money that, that, that is awarded to these uh, different state winners and to the national yeah. winners. And the monies go to the schools and the libraries right. and, and such. But inside of arts education, we have Link Up, we have Poetry Out Loud, and then we also have our whole schools program, which we spoke right. about in the first segment, mm-hmm. which is a program that encompasses the whole school and uh, invites sort of a change model for how arts are used for a teaching tool in a, in a traditional setting. And schools can apply for project grants as well. So the project grants can support anything from an artist residency or it could support uh, production that the school's doing. Maybe they have an artist coming to help them with the production or something like that, or curriculum development in and through the arts. Welcome back to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Malcolm White. I am your host today. I am also the director of the Mississippi Arts Commission, which I am very pleased to have that position. And I'm always happy to be one of the revolving hosts here on the Mississippi Arts Hour. We have a former host uh, as our guest today. Diane Williams is here. Welcome back, Diane. Howdy. <laughs> She's from Jersey, y'all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so before we uh, took a break there, we were talking about our different grant programs. Our our theme today is grants, grants, and more grants. And the reason we're talking about grants is because this time of year in the spring is our largest single grant round of uh, our year. And as I said in the former, in the previous segment, one half of our entire budget goes to these grants. So of all the money that we receive from the federal government and the state government and even from private sources, we give away in grants. And we do it three times a year. 
too many rounds, and then the major March round. I think we could, we could start calling it March Madness. I don't know. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> I like that. But before we went on break, we were talking about the different uh, <clears throat> disciplines and the different uh, managers and directors <laughs> that we have at the Arts Commission. We talked about arts industry, which Diane used to manage before she became the grants director. We have arts education. We talked about the programs and the grants available in the arts education piece, but we didn't mention while talking about arts education that that's where the teaching artists as well as the performing artists rosters also live primarily in the arts education That is piece. right, yes. Mm-hmm. We talked about the uh, arts-based community development. We call it ABCD, and that's where the arts councils and the Boys and Girls Clubs and the community pieces. I guess that's where the little theaters are, or are they over the in? The little theaters are, well, they're in arts industry. Arts industry, yes. mm-hmm. not ABCD. But we didn't talk yet about folk and traditional. So let's, uh, Diane, please talk a little bit about the program that we have for the folk and traditional artists. So those are tra- arts that are traditional, like quilt making, uh Music, different types of music like the blues, rooted and mm-hmm. grounded, bluegrass, bluegrass music, jazz. And we were talking rockabilly earlier today, rockabilly, right. and, and and so it's those types of art forms, banjo playing, even Celtic music falls in in that category to folk and traditional mm-hmm. carving, arts. carve wood carving, yes, mm-hmm. all the most story crafts. Uh, sometimes, sometimes the NEA has looked took a deeper look at how storytelling plays out in communities. So you'll have your traditional type of storytelling, family stories, community stories. Then you'll have your theater performers that oh, tell okay. stories as well. Hmm. Or, or um, <laughs> lost track of what else. <laughs> Not theater performers, but performers that are more theatrical. The, theatrical. Right, Thank right, you. Right, right. Yes. So inside of folk and traditional, what type of grants are in there? Well, we have operating and project grants in those categories for mm-hmm. folk and traditional. So organizations like the B.B. King Museum, Delta Blues Museum, Thacker Mountain Radio. They get operating. They get operating support. Which means they get annual money to really cover their operational expenses, yes. like salaries, if they have a building, their heat and cooling, yes. their repairs and maintenance. I mean, all of what marketing, it takes, yes. employees, marketing, what it takes to, to run a shop. To run an arts organization. And that's where we always have to add clarity when people are, you know, everybody would love to have operating support. But it should be an organization rooted in the arts mm-hmm. and, and with their doors open most of the week. And if they're a volunteer organization, certainly they too can apply for a little lesser amount of operating support. But if they have full-time staff, they can apply for a little more. Yes. And then we have... Uh, Besides the operating, we have the project grants. Can you explain a project grant? So a project grant could be a one-time activity, event, festival, or something Mm -hmm. like that. Or it could be a season of performances, a season of presentations, such as what the theaters do. The theaters say Millsaps Arts and Lecture Series? Yes, that would be a project project grant. grant. Mm -hmm. Uh And uh, those are all during the big March round. Yes, uh, and then we have the fellowships. So talk I, about the fellowships. I am so proud of our fellowship recipients. One of the things about the fellowship is it's not something we have to do. 
But if an artist submits an application and their artwork exhibits artistic excellence, they're in consideration for up to a $5,000 fellowship. And artistic excellence is determined by originality, a keen sense of technique and process, and technical mastery of the art form, and is blindly adjudicated. So the artist's name and resume is seen by the staff, but not by the reviewers. And we make these fellowships available in what areas of expertise, what genres? Well, we do literary, but we alternate each year. One year is fiction and poetry. That's this year. Uh Maybe the next year it'll be screenwriting, playwriting, and creative nonfiction. Mm Mm-hmm. In the perform in the musical or performance category is choreography this year and co- music composition, okay. and next year it will be the performance of dance and it will be the musical performance. And so, so uh, artists who uh, have sort of matured and who've been around and who've who've got a bo- who have a body of work and who have had exhibits and who have had some success, they would be the most likely candidates to apply for one of these fellowships. Yes. And I guess the the word itself, being a fellow, would be someone who is in good standing with the Arts Commission or with the National Endowment of the Arts or something like that. Yes, and it actually puts the artists in a different category. Once they've won a fellowship from an organization like the Mississippi Arts Commission, mm-hmm. they're viewed in a different way nationally. There are other doors can potentially open open up for them. And there are also fellowships at the National Endowment for the Arts in Washington that yes. you can apply. Mississippians can apply for national fellowships. They can also apply for regional fellowships and what we call the Southern Prize for for uh, visual arts. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only category that, that the regional has is the visual arts. Is the visual arts right now. But the national, the NEA, the National Endowment for the Arts, has these multiple categories, much like we do, right? In yes. the different uh, genres and the different uh, categories of, of proficiency in the arts. Yeah. I'm most familiar with the NEAs, that's National Endowment for the Arts, literary fellowships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do... Do theirs run concurrent with ours, or do they have a different schedule? I'm not or? sure. Uh-huh. I'm not sure I, what never... the—it's probably not the same timeline. Mm-hmm. So that is sort of a encapsulation of our grants programs. Uh, is there anything you want to add more about how the grants are uh, presented, uh, how they are managed, and how people should uh, approach applying for a grant? Well, what I would say to our listeners is that the word grants is really not a big word. It's a five-letter word. Six, well, you could say with the S on it, it's six, <laughs> le- six letters. But it's really not difficult to apply for a grant. If you wait till the last minute, it's going to be just <laughs> terribly, terribly impossible. Right. But if you start early and just take it step, one step at a time, mm-hmm. you can apply for a grant and just answer each question, fill in each blank. We, we really want completed applications to come into our office. And our system now has a checks and balance for most of the areas in the application. You can't submit it without completing those areas. So if, if you wanted to get a real early start, and and start working on a grant right now for next year. Could you go into the foundant system and begin to fill it out, stop, 
go out and then come back and resume where you were? Or, or do you have to have all of your ducks in a row and it, when it's time to submit, you go in and put everything in at once? Well, the process won't open up prior to a month before the deadline. So you couldn't even begin to no. think about applying physically until February yes. of next of of 2018. Of 2019. 19, sorry, wrong And you, you can go in and register now, mm-hmm. but my suggestion would be, because it's always good to get an early start, right. go to our website. Mm-hmm. Everything about that application is listed on the website. We tell you how to apply. We, tell, we help you understand if you're qualified to apply for any of our grants. We talk about the scoring of the applications and what that's all about. So you can still, and then we even have it, we've updated our FAQ, which is frequently asked questions. So right. you could, and we're going to update it even more. So you can find out everything that you need to know and everything that's on that application from our website. And that site is, what is the address? It is www.artsarts.ms.gov. G-O-V. So you can go there, uh, go to the grants page, read all of the information about the grants, which ones are available, what the deadlines are, what what is involved in mm-hmm. making a grant. Uh, there's frequently asked questions. And now we have a new tutorial, a video. We have two videos. Uh-huh. We have a brand new one that I recently yes. saw. We have what, What's the other one? We have one that shows you how to register in the system. Right. The other one shows you what a mini-grant application looks like, and it's sort of like a little speed dating through the process. Okay. But you could always slow your computer down right. if you need to see it in detail. And all of that is is at our website. On our website, yes. And then you begin to take notes and prepare your narrative, start yes. thinking about your budget. And if it's a project grant, you start talking about your partners mm-hmm. and talking with your partners and begin to get the pieces and parts together so that in February of next spring, you could get in the system once it opens uh, and go in and do a full application. But prior to that, we do have uh, the mini-grant mini rounds, right? Yes, it's in, coming in up. July. So May. May, sorry. You apply in May, June 1st deadline. Mm-hmm. You find out whether or not you get it in July. Okay. Up to $1,000 for organizations. Now, the mini-grants, we have mini-grants for individual artists, which is up to $500. It's given to artists as a reimbursable expense. And I think this is the best thing in the world because, you know, your artists, you all want money to produce your books and those kinds of things. But I think it's a better idea to get one of those mini-grants to help you with the marketing Mm -hmm. piece of it, help you build your website, help you with promotional materials. Or you could use the money to go to a workshop or conference or to purchase supplies. $500 for individual artists as a reimbursable expense. The assumption is you were going to do this anyway. Right. Well, great. So... That's about uh, every bit of uh, 
close to an hour about the grants at the Mississippi Arts Commission. Anything else you want to add about grants or the grants yes, process? Yes. I would like to encourage the artists that are rooted in the traditionality of the arts or Mississippi arts. Our Folk Artists Apprenticeship Program is an opportunity for you as master artists to work with an up-and-coming artist. They could be a teenager, young adult, mm-hmm. old, older adult that wants to enhance their skills. It shouldn't be anyone that if it's, if it's about guitar, they should have had some guitar lessons. You mm-hmm. don't want to start with a beginner, but it's wonderful for a master artist to teach someone else from that perspective, from that high level of learning. And when is the deadline for that grant? And that's the March 1st it's deadline as the, well, the yes. Big, and, and that grant is up to $2,000. Wow. That's terrific. Well, um, Now, you also, besides being the grants director at the Mississippi Arts Commission, you are a storyteller, you're a mixed media and fiber artist, but you're also a writer. You've had several books published. Talk a little bit in the remaining time about how to get a book published and how you've been able to get published and how people out there who've always wanted to write a book could go about doing that. You know, in the old days, what we used to do was find these companies and we would submit our manuscripts to these companies and writers, we would all end up with a drawer full of rejection letters. Well, I've got a drawer full of them too. (laughs) But I think we, we can take the bull by the horn and we can be trendsetters. And so what I do as a writer is pitch my ideas to publishers. And if you, I can talk to you about that further, and we have information on our website on how to get published, but it's a better idea to not only pitch it, but to get beyond, I want to get published and I, I have these books, to understanding how to do the marketing piece of it. When you pitch an idea, that's what publishers want to know. How are you going to market this? So you're available if, if there are writer wannabes out there who could come and visit with you and you could share your experience with them. Yes. They can just call you at the Arts Commission, and the number there is 601-359-6030, unless it's changed since I yes. left. Today, my guest has been Diane Williams. Thank you so much, Diane, for coming and talking about our grants programs and sharing with us your experiences. Thanks to Kevin Farrell, our producer. This is Malcolm White saying once again, have an artful week, and we will see you next Sunday on the Mississippi Arts Hour.